Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Well, hello again, Kitchen Table Theologians, and welcome to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're always trying to place those theological cookies on the bottom shelf where we can all reach them. And we try to do this in ways that are applicable to the lives we live, because the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. All right, Jeff, we're going to jump into something really good today. Yes, we are. It has been said that the only thing consistent in life is change. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And I will tell you, because your family has walked through it with mine over the last year, less than a year, our family has experienced a little bit of change. My husband and I prayerfully moved jobs that we'd been in respectfully for 10 and 15 years. We sold a house, bought and built a new house. We transitioned kids into new schools, middle school and high school. And now we have a baby girl that is driving a motor vehicle. (laughs) No, she's not. Oh, she is driving. She's driving the Prius. Oh, <laughs> Here no. she goes. Here she goes. And is all she patting this, herself on the back while she, she drives because she's so she proud is. of herself? She's proud of herself. She's saving the know, planet. Saving the planet. One Prius at a time. And turtles. And know, turtles. Oh, I'm things, so happy. All the things. But all of that prior to the world turning upside down and yeah. us entering into the global pandemic that is now... COVID-19. So how's how's 2020 going for you, huh? So, oh my gosh, all the memes. <laughs> there are too many memes about how 2020. Your life is a whole meme. It's the one with the little girl slowly sliding down the slide <laughs> and then taking her bumps along the way. So yes, I would wholeheartedly agree with that statement that the only thing constant in life is change. It really is true. You know, in, a, in his novel, uh, there's a novel called Baghdad, The Final Gathering. Uh, author Ahmad Ardalan wrote this. He said, Sometimes in life, a sudden situation, a moment in time, alters your whole life and forever changes the road ahead. And I think we're all feeling that mm. at some level with everything that we've been through here in 2020. So with change everywhere around us, you know, we need something that doesn't move, something that doesn't change, something that Man, we we know that this is going to be real, and I, I need something or I need someone An on anchor. whom, yeah, I can depend. And for for Christians, well, for the whole world, but you know, I, that someone is God. And that leads us right into today's topic, as we are examining the attributes of God. On our last podcast, we learned about how God is self-evident and why that's important, not only in theology, but for our everyday lives. And today's grandiose, big, mega, theologically scary word is immutability. (laughs) Go ahead and define immutability for us, Pastor Jeff. Uh, Immutability. Immutability, you don't use this every day? I, with your, I don't, not, no, not on the regular. It's not a word we, we know. So let me, let me, you know, you said at the beginning of the podcast, we want to put the theological cookies on the bottom shelf. So let, let me define immutability. It was defined really well by the New Standard Dictionary back in 1913, and it goes this way. Immutability is the state or quality of being that which is not capable or susceptible of change, either by increase or by decrease, by development or by self-evolution. 
So see, I told you, great definition. Uh, it's clear now, as mud. <laughs> so if you're listening right now while exercising, um, you probably just <laughs> fell off your bike or tripped as you ran. So let's trash the 1913 definition because I don't understand that without another dictionary. And let's just make the definition of immutability very simple so we can all understand it. And it's, it's this, the doctrine of immutability simply means that God is unchangeable. You couldn't start with that? <laughs> I <laughs> wanted to on, have some man. fun. <laughs> yeah. So in simplest terms, the doctrine of immutability simply means that God is unchangeable. Right. He is immutable. He is unchanging. God is in who he is. Unchanging in his being, his purposes, his promises, his character. Everything about God is unchanging. And Scripture points that out to us in numerous places. And Jen, we've got a few verses here in front of us. So how about reading the first one for us? Sure. So long ago, you established the earth and the heavens for the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. All of them will wear out like clothing. You will change them like a garment and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your ears never end. And that, of course, comes from Psalms 102, 25 through 27. So these verses seem to be saying that there's a contrast between things that we may think are permanent, like the heavens and the earth, on one hand. But they're really not. But they're really not. But we think. We think that they are. We We go into it with that mindset. We want them to be. Yeah. And God, on the other hand, who it really is permanent and never changing. Exactly. I mean, God existed before the heavens and the earth were made, and He will exist long after they have been destroyed. And God causes the universe to change, but in contrast to that change, He is the same. And in in Malachi, God, through Malachi, references His own qualities of patience and mercy, and then He says, "'For I, the Lord, do not change.'" Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. So if I'm one of the sons of Jacob, I'm thinking, hey, that sounds pretty good. I'm not Mm -hmm. going to get consumed. So God's using a general statement there of his unchangeableness. And I looked that up. That is a word, unchangeableness. (laughs) And he's referring to some specific ways in which he doesn't change. I don't change. Therefore, you're not consumed. So Mm -hmm. if you flip it around, if he did change... Bad news for the sons of Jacob, they're gone. They're consumed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it reminds me of a verse that I've always loved from James Mm -hmm. that reminds us of all the good gifts ultimately that come from God who does not change like the shifting shadows. I love the imagery of that verse. And there's just, you know, two Old Testament, one New Testament verses, and there are so many more that just remind, he does not change. And this is really important, this whole understanding of God's immutability. It's it's very important in our understanding of, of of God himself and who God is that that God in his being is unchangeable and he must be an unchanging God. And here's why. The contrast between being and becoming. So mm-hmm. as you're listening wherever you are just drill down here with me for a second. The contrast between being and becoming marks the difference between the creator and the created. So the difference between being and becoming marks oh, the contrast, I'm sorry, between being and becoming 
marks a difference between the Creator and the created. This is a great Dutch theologian named uh, Herman Bovink. I'm sure you probably read him for your quiet time this morning. Oh, every day. He's written books. I've read them. (laughs) His books are wonderful. They're really good, but they're under the category of these are books you're made to read. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he said this, every creature, so that's all of us, is continually becoming. It, It is changeable. Constantly striving, seeking rest and satisfaction, finding that rest in God and in Him alone. For only God is pure being and no becoming. And so in Scripture, therefore, God is often called the rock. Mm. So that, you know, this picture of something very solid, strong, mm-hmm. unchangeable, unmovable. Mm-hmm. So that makes me think, let, let's jump back to something you mentioned earlier. You said that God is unchanging in both His purposes and in His promises. Expand on that a little bit. Yeah, happy to. As as far as his purposes are concerned, once God has determined that he will assuredly bring something about, his purpose is unchanging, and it will be achieved. God, as a matter of fact, in that regard, said through Isaiah, he said, I'm God, there's no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. And then later on, near verse 11, I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. So you see God being a very purposeful God, and when he has declared his purpose, he's unchanging. And so that's purpose. Now, what about his promises? So he's unchanging in his promises, too. And once God promises something, he will never be unfaithful to it. And the Old Testament books of Numbers and 1 Samuel... Uh, We read, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should repent. Uh, He has said, and will he not do it? Or he has spoken, and will he not fulfill it? So he he does what he says he will do. Hmm. And, uh, okay, so we see this unchanging nature of his being, that he is incapable of change. But I just got to push back and ask, because I seem to recall in the... The hindquarters of my mind, thank you, old Sunday school teachers of yore, from reading in the Old Testament, haven't there been several times that God has changed his mind? Aren't there places in Scripture where God said he would judge people, and then because of prayer, the people repenting, or both of those things, he relented, and then he didn't bring judgment like he said he would? It sure seems like God changes his mind, and if that's true, how can we say he's unchangeable? And then how do we reconcile that with the fact that God's supposed to be unchangeable? Yeah, I was, I was really hoping you weren't going to go there. That this, is, this is the result of you having just enough Sunday school when you were little. Um, as a matter of fact, I think we're out of time now. So, oh, we better move on. Yeah, you know, why don't you just go ahead and wrap wrap this up? No, that's that's you're, you're right. That that is definitely in scripture, and I'm betting some of our kitchen table theologians were wondering the same thing. Um, and maybe one day we can dive a little bit deeper into it. But for today, we can't answer that part exhaustively. So let me see if I can just speak to it specifically. So, I think what you're saying is, does God change His mind? Because mm we do see him change his mind in Scripture, or at least it appears that way. 
So let, let's begin with an example. I, you know, whenever I need to understand something, if I get an example or a drawing of something, I understand it better. So we don't have to look any farther than the book of Jonah. Hmm. Um, you remember that story. God threatened judgment upon the people of Nineveh, but when they repented, he withdrew that impending judgment. So we've got to ask ourselves, isn't that a case where God's purpose, in fact, changed, where a promise of his, in fact, changed? Because mm. it sure, you know, tell them I'm, I'm, I'm going to wipe them out, and God doesn't wipe them out. Mm. So what, what happened? I think the answer to that lies in the fact that instances like Nineveh, and there are other situations mentioned in Scripture where God does have a change of mind, and they are few, but there are a, a couple of other ones. We need to understand those instances as true expressions of God's present attitude or intention with respect to the situation as it existed at that moment. Mm. So what I mean is if the situation changed, then God's course of attitude also changed. And this is just saying that God responds differently to different situations. Go back to Jonah preaching to Nineveh, because it's it's helpful for us. God sees the wickedness of the people of Nineveh, and he sends Jonah the prophet, and Jonah proclaims, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. He he was very adamant about it, and actually he was relishing that, because he, he did not like those people at all. So the possibility that God would withhold judgment if the people repented, is not explicitly mentioned in what Jonah said. Jonah never got around to that. He just said, 40 days and you're going to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. So that was not explicitly stated that there was any other options here. But it is implicit in the warning. So if, if you think about it, the purpose for proclaiming a warning When you're a prophet of God and you're warning people about coming judgment, what did the prophets always do? They always called people to repentance. Mm. And so inherent in repentance is if I repent, God responds to that repentance. If I don't repent, God responds to that lack of repentance. So Mm. once the Ninevites repented, the situation was different. And God responded differently to that changed situation. And we read in verse 10 of chapter 3, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. So in this instance, and then others like it, we should understand that these are expressions of God's attitude or intention with respect to the situation as it existed at, at that, that moment. moment. Yeah. So those are, those are the key words there. And if the situation changed, then God's course of attitude also changed. Mm-hmm. So this is just saying that God responds differently to different situations. He right. didn't change, right. but when the situation itself changed, like the people repenting, he took another course of action. That's really incredible because it's, to me, just yet another picture of God's great grace and mercy. It really is. And aren't we glad that He relents and gives us opportunity of repenting and returning to Him when when we do stray away? One thousand percent. Yeah. So let's ask then the big question, because you know this is my favorite pushback question. (laughs) Here it is. It's a two-worder. 
so what? Yep. I mean, for so many people, this kind of is kind of on the abstract side of things. It it doesn't really affect my day-to-day. And while I'm glad that God isn't changing, it just doesn't seem to be that important. So how do you push back at that line of kind of flippant thinking? Well, yeah, I mean, I've... We, we totally understand that. The fact that God is immutable, that God doesn't change. Okay, wonderful, great, good. But, you know, how, does that impact my life day to day? I mean, I don't, I don't ever sense that. But I, I think it's way more important to us than we ever really imagine. And I think the way we wrap our minds around this and, and, and so that we can see the importance to our own lives, it, we need to ask ourselves this question. Let's go to the other side of the coin. What would it be like if God could change? Mm. And if you think about that, that radically affects your day-to-day. So this now it seems really important. For example, if God could change, so let, let's, just, let's just walk through this. If God could change, then any change would be either for the better or for the worse, because he, he couldn't stay the same because mm. he'd be changing. But if God changed for the better then he was not the best possible being when we first trusted him. Mm. And how could we be sure that he's the best possible being right now? I mean, for all we know, if he's going to change, mm. he, he might get better. But what, what happens if it goes the other way? If God can change for the better, he could also change for the worse. Mm-hmm. And what if God changed for the worse in his very being? Then what kind of God might he become? The potential of that is... Uh, really, really scary. Let, let's run that out a little bit. Might God become, for instance, a little bit evil rather than completely and wholly good? Mm. And if he could become a little bit evil, then how do we know he couldn't change to become largely evil or wholly and completely evil? And there would not be one thing we could do about it, for he is so much more powerful than we are. So, you know, therefore, the idea that God could change leads to the horrible possibility that thousands of years from now we might come you know we, we might find ourselves living forever in a universe dominated by a holy evil omnipotent God. It, it is hard to imagine any thought more terrifying and and of course how could we ever trust such a God then who could change and now that delves into the area if God could change his being but what about if he could change in regard to his purposes? The Bible clearly teaches us that Jesus will come back to rule over a new heaven and a new earth. You, you, you got that one in mm-hmm. Sunday school, too. But if God can change, perhaps that plan has now been scrapped, mm. and all of our hope in Jesus' return is now in vain. Which strikes at the heart of salvation, because as sure. that unravels, if God couldn't change in regard to his promises, how could we trust him completely for eternal life right? or anything else the Bible says mm-hmm. for that matter? You know, maybe when the Bible was written and he promised us forgiveness for our sins, for instance, because of Jesus's great work on the cross, if God has changed, maybe that's out the window too. Now you see, now this, this whole uh, question of God's immutability, really important to our day to day. It's not only important to our day to day, it's important for our eternity. You know, a little reflection on this shows how absolutely imperative it is that we tightly hold to the unchangeableness of God. If he is not unchanging, if he's not unchanging, then the whole basis of our faith begins to unravel 
And even our understanding of the universe begins to fall apart. And that's because our faith and hope and knowledge all ultimately depend on a person who is infinitely worthy of trust because he is absolutely and eternally unchanging in his being, in his perfections, in his purposes, in his promise, and, and yeah, and in his promises. He is absolutely and eternally unchanging in his being, perfections, purposes, and promises. I don't think I could have said it better. If well, I, I had a hard time getting it out it there, myself. but. <laughs> We so hope that these resources really, really help you. Each week, we add a new podcast resource for you. And if you haven't subscribed yet, head on over to YouTube or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening from and hit subscribe. We're putting more and more resources up for your study. Resources. Resources. You just want to get out and go Re- play, don't you? Recesses. <laughs> it, you know, you can take the teacher out of the classroom, <laughs> but you can't take the classroom but out of the teacher. But we're putting resources up. Not recesses no, yet. Re- not no, yet. No. Yes. We are putting up more and more resources <laughs> for your study and personal growth in God's Word. Subscribing makes sure that you don't miss a thing. If today's podcast has brought up a question or two, just shoot us an email at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org or watch Pastor Jeff's Instagram story. IG name is Pastor Jeff Cranston because we give you opportunities to ask questions there as well. And we so love hearing from yeah, you. Yeah, we get questions there. Um, so how, whatever's the easiest way for you to, to shoot me a question, um, Pastor Jeff at lowcountrycc.org or watch my Instagram story if you're on Instagram. And you can throw them up on there, too. And as we wrap up today's podcast, let's remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that our time together today has helped you become a better kitchen table theologian. Our next podcast will unpack the fact that God is infinite. You will not want to miss it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.